Welcome to Gardening Talk, back on to when you are FM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp, as per usual. Scott, great to see you once again. Good to see you. The uh, talk of thunderstorms had me a little bit uh, chattering of the teeth then. That's scared. What, that's when you know summer's on the way. It is. Hurts the plants too when you get those hailstones. Oh, does it? Shreds them, yeah. Have to make a protective device for them. Yeah. Put a net well, over the top. Well, we can, we can work out something about that as we go through <laughs> the show today. What else you got for us, Scott? Oh, I thought we'd talk about snapdragons there out at the moment and looking absolutely lovely. Uh, Laura Petlam, China Pink, also out. And flannel flowers, a nice little native that grows with a wider range than you'd think. All right. Yes, not just Western Australia. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Flannel flowers. Yes. Are they plaid? Uh, no, they're not. They go very nicely on the bed, though. <laughs> and Scott, you mentioned that snapdragons are out again. They are. It's the time of year for snapdragons. But in truth, they'll grow almost all year round and okay. give you really vibrant colour. Uh, the reason I am talking about them now is they're driving in uh, past City Hall. Yep. Over the weekend, the uh, Council Gardener's done a fantastic job in there in that little park next to City Hall. And uh, the snapdragons are looking absolutely amazing in there. They've got the yellows, the pinks, uh, whites, uh, you know, those sort of purpley colours. Uh, and a very, very easy and versatile plant for you to grow. Also very fun with the kids as well. Are they? Yes. I- Aren't they dangerous? No, no, they haven't got teeth or anything <laughs> like that. Now, the secret with the snapdragon is you get the flower and you squeeze the flower and it does yep. the dragon thing. Oh, so it's it looks like a dragon. It looks like a dragon, bites like a dragon, but doesn't breathe fire like a dragon. Oh, okay, so it's a friendly dragon. Yeah, friendly dragon, yeah. It's like Casper the friendly <laughs> dragon, whoever it was. Yeah, but look, and they're really easy to grow. You can grow them in pots as well if you want to. Uh, probably about oh, three or four little plants to you know to a decent sized pot, and I'll spread out. Oh, I'm doing the old hand thing again here. Probably about fifteen oh. centimeters. Yeah, probably a medium plate size. Yeah, medium plate <laughs> size per plant. Uh, so yeah, look, wide range of colours. A thing to do is just avoid sticking them in uh, heavy uh, or sort of clay based soils. So as with most plants, uh, they get a bit of root rot. So be careful about that. Uh, if you are going to grow them, uh, even add some potting mix into the ground. Yep. Uh, where are you going to put them or grow them in pots as well? Uh, look, the time to put them in uh, is, I guess, um, you know, in winter, you know, that uh, sort of winter spring period. But even if you put them in now, they will still flower for you. Uh, a little bit like dianthus in, in that regard. Uh, they, you know, the only thing they really don't like are the really, really cold winters. So that's probably the only time you might just avoid sticking snapdragons okay. in. Um, Fertilise them well. Um, with uh, Flourish or another liquid fertiliser and all will be well. Uh, sometimes in uh, humid conditions here in Newcastle, they can get a bit of uh, rust or fungal disease on there. So be ready to treat with a fungicide in those more humid months. Right, and they're not dangerous. No, they're certainly not. They Their uh, bark is worse than their bite. Right. What? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to do a plant joke then as well. Well, it worked. It was good. Yeah, thank you. What's the plant that I'm thinking that's dangerous? You're thinking about that uh, plant on Little Shop of Horrors movie. Yes. Yes, the big one. It sings. It sings. We'll have to do some research about that. Look into eating plants. Yeah, triffids, they're also bad as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, they'll come and get you. Righto. Yep. <laughs> Slowly but surely. <laughs> Gardening talk back on to when you are at FM. And we've got Sharon from Cessnock, and she's looking into grumming red robins. Hello, Sharon. How can we help you? Hello, Scott. Good afternoon. Uh, just a, two quick questions. We've just planted in quite a large number of red robins and uh, on the rural property. So we can't really afford mulch, but we do have a lot of cut grass. So I'm just wondering whether I could use put some cut grass around the base of the plants just 
keep the moisture in. Yeah, look, you, you certainly can do that, Sharon, but don't overdo it. I, you just don't do it repeatedly. Um, okay. Because what happens is it starts to create uh, a lot of nitrogen in the soil. Um, not so bad with uh, with petunias where you want them to to grow all that you know that leafy growth, but uh, mm-hmm. it can become a little bit too much if if you let it keep on going. So yeah, look once or twice, um, no harm done there. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you get you know you got some hand your hand on some other sort of manure as well, you could use that some cow manure. They'll certainly like that. Right. Um, yeah, but all. Uh, Goats and sheep or chicken? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you can certainly use all of those, all of the above okay. there. Uh, I was just trying to think about some, uh, you know, other sort of leaf mulch as well. If you had some uh, eucalypts or something, you could, uh, you know, sit them in a pile and let them go off and turn them over for, you know, a few months. And then you could mulch right. with the uh, eucalyptus mulch as well if you wanted to. Okay, because we just want to, you know, give them a best shot because we've just, done, we've just planted them, so... We're just trying to think of something to give them a good shot to, to settle in and, and get established. So yeah, it's look, not something that we do regularly. But And I, I think the thing is to, you know, to be varied in it uh, and don't put fresh mulch on there either. Just leave it, uh, you know, and sit and, and turn it over for, you know, a couple of months until it goes off a little bit and cools down. That's the way I like to think about it. And then right. be ready to use it then. Okay, love. The other quick question is they're about a metre high. Yep and going out in all different directions with new shoots, which they're lovely, and we want to grow a very big, bushy hedge, how soon should we trim them? Yeah, so I would probably tip prune them now because from you know every prune that you make, then you're going to get you know two new shoots coming off that, so it um, becomes exponential. So the the more you prune it, uh, the you know the more bushier um, sort of plant you get growing up for you, a nice full plant. So yeah, look, lots of little sort of nibbles around the top of the plant. Uh, you know, when you see a new shoot come out, let it harden up for you know a week or two, and then maybe go and just cut that back. You know, just nibble back on the tip of that as well and you'll get spreading out from there. Okay, so just because we've just planted them this week, I don't need to wait a month or so to, before I cut them? Just, just oh, we can do that now? Yeah, look, if you want to, you could just go give them a, a little nibble over the top. Uh, you don't have to do every single shoot that you find there, but just, uh, you know, the, the more you do, the fuller the plant is going to be. And if I do snip them, could I dip them in some rooting powder and pop in the, in the pot? Yeah, you, look, you certainly can do that. Now, the, the thing with red robins, at the moment, they're putting on that very fleshy red growth that they have. Mm-hmm, uh, yeah. When you're doing cuttings, you want to wait until that uh, growth is just starting to harden up a little bit. And, you know, you're starting to see a little bit of bark forming on there. And that's oh, when you do the dip and uh, try and propagate them. Wonderful. Lovely. Thank you so okay. much for your help. Thank appreciate you, Sharon. We appreciate have the call. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye. And we've got Mark from Mark's Point, and he's got some issues with his lawn. Hi, Mark. How can we help you? Hi, right, Scott. Just uh, three quick lawn questions, if I could, mate. Yes. Um, uh, wintergrass. I've been. I've tried wintergrass poison on one part of a lawn and didn't seem to have much success, but on my main lawn on a Queensland blue cooch, I've been sort of by hand just going for it bit by bit. I, I seem to be winning. But the stuff I don't get, will that just die off as the grass grows up now in spring? Yeah, look, it will die off. Now, the, the danger with winter grass and not treating it earlier in the year, uh, because you are try, you need to try and treat it as a pre-emergent, uh, you know, perhaps back in uh, March or April, uh, is that it can actually spread out and create dead patches in the lawn uh, where there's, you know, nothing. And then the weed spills back in there at this time of year and takes over your lawn. But it sounds like you're all on top of it there, Mark. Uh, you're down on your hands and knees, no doubt, uh, plucking it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in, in, this, in the same lawn, um, uh, clover's been getting the better of me and I've been trying to 
not not do it too often, but um, not winning the war with Clover. Will that die out through spring as well? No, no, look, that will keep on going. So you do need to, to use some sort of selective herbicide on that. Uh, make sure there's some growth on there for the chemical to settle on and yeah. make sure we're going to have, you know, five or six days of good hot weather because it needs the sun to actually, you know, work its magic and burn that uh, clover off. So I've got, I've got to time that real soon before the growth starts going nuts. And yes, you certainly do. It's a, or getting, toward, yeah, getting towards a good time to do it. But, uh, yeah, make sure there's plenty of growth on there. Don't mow the lawn and then decide to do it. That's, a you know, a trap for young players. Uh, I'm sure yeah, you're yeah. not going to fall for that one, though. No, I don't know. Uh, but the majority of the lawn um, which, that doesn't have clover, um, my issue finally is that it's a bit stalky. Yes. And I, bit, by, bit by bit over a couple of years, I've been getting it lower and lower. Um, what's the best time to uh, to do a, a hard cut? And should I do some um, fertilising before in a week or two before I do the hard cut or leave it after I've done the hard cut? No, I'd, I'd leave until after you've done the hard cut. It might be then that you want to give a light top dress as well. Okay, okay. Okay. Uh, this, re- this retirement's hard, you know, turning into a lawny. <laughs> well, it's good to hear you working at it, though. <laughs> I think it might win in the end. Thanks, mate. <laughs> okay, you have a nice afternoon. See you, mate. Cheers, bye. bye. Cheers, Guardian Talkback on to you on FM, 49216216. And we've got Roz from Spears Point. And she's got a question about the fiddle leaf fig. Well, we're doing a Lake Macquarie special here from Mark's Point yeah. to Spears Point. Hello, Roz. How can we help you? Hello, Scott. Oh, look, I've got these two... Um Little leaf fig, um, pot plants. Yes. And um, got lots of new leaves, but some of them are going very brown around the edges and then falling off. Okay, now tell me where have you got that plant in particular, Roz? Well, I actually moved them around. <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're on the patio, and sometimes, and then I'll bring them inside at night. Yeah, that that's fine. Uh, so, look, fiddle leaf figs like a really well lit position. Uh, I've, I've seen them in places where they're getting uh, you know, a lot of northern sun coming in the window. It stays nice and warm for them. They don't necessarily like the cold and the wind, so you have to no. be careful about moving them outside, especially when it is cool. Yes, uh, I never leave them out when it's cold. Ah, very good, very good. I'll put them near that sunny window. It's actually in my bedroom. <laughs> now tell me, have you got that plant sitting in a saucer of water as well? No, I know that. You've got to let them drain. I know that. I've been reading up about them. Yeah, they say they certainly like a well-drained, sunny spot. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be inclined almost just to, you know, pick a spot where you're, you're talking about in your bedroom um, mm. with that nice, uh, you know, sun coming yeah. in there. It's nice and warm. Yeah. And leave it there for a couple of weeks and right see what are. happens with it. Okay, I will. That. Okay, and look, um, otherwise, uh, maybe a little bit of fertiliser as well, just a very mild liquid fertiliser at this yes, point in time. Yes, I've with been it. giving them that. Okay. Um, um, also, like, um, how often should you water them? I've read different things. Um, yeah, look, you don't it, water them, they'll die. If they <laughs> too much, they'll die. And they can be a bit touchy like that. Uh, yeah. I, I've got uh, one particular one that I water every week, just once a week. Yeah, it does have yeah. a little bit of water that sits in the saucer, uh, but only mm. a very small amount. It is in mm. uh, a very sunny, warm position, as I described. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I think it's because it's found that place. It really just loves it, uh, but it does only get that one water a week and just allowing a you know, a touch of water to sit in the saucer for it to soak up uh, as the week uh, progresses. Okay, I'll try that then. Thank you very much. That's all right. Thank you very much for the call, Roz. Right, bye now. Bye. It's Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. If you've got a question, 49216216.
And we've got Noel from Toronto, and he's got a question about the citrus trees. Hello, Noel. How can we help? Good afternoon, Scott. Good afternoon, Greg. How are you today? Very, very well. Very well, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got citrus trees, um, and mate, they're out in blossom like you wouldn't believe. Is it okay to spray them with white oil uh, while they're in blossom or, or not? Uh, look, I, I would probably not do that at this point in time, only that if that white oil settles on those flower blossoms, uh, it, it's very tender. It's going to burn them away, especially if we're getting you know hotter conditions over the next uh, couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, yeah, look, I, I'd steer clear of doing that. Uh, even just wait till the fruit starts to set. You know, when you get those tiny little nodules, yep, that might yep. be the time to go and spray some white oil then. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've just uh, been listening over the last few months and, I had a lemon tree which called lots of lemons, and mate, we do get lots of lemons. And I cut it right back, and you can't believe the new shoots that are coming on that tree. Yeah, now how how tall did that grow uh, for you, Noel? Because they were a little seed-grown uh, lemon tree uh, that yeah did have a lot of lemons on it. How tall did it get for you, mate? It get, got about um, two meters, but um, was I did have it in a pot, but I, it just got so good. I thought I'm going to put this in the ground, and mate, oh. And the juice that's in them is unbelievable. Oh, that's that's fantastic. That's really good. Now, the other thing yeah. you have to worry about as well is, uh, you know, we get a little bit further on into the year is the, uh, you know, the bronze orange bug, the, the stink oh, beetle. The bugs. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, yeah, that, that, they'll do more damage than uh, even the scale getting on the citrus trees. So you have to be careful about them and just try and yep. keep them yep. under control. Um, you know, okay. people variously say get out there, you know, with the, the vacuum cleaner and suck them down, down <laughs> the tube. Uh, but yeah, look. There, there's as it becomes more prevalent, we'll talk more about uh, the uh, the stink bug yep. here on the show. And I have got some beautiful snapdragon, oh, um, the, the taller one, not the miniature. Mm-hmm. But the only trouble I have here is because I live virtually in Toronto, but we've got bush bloody white cockatoos, mate. They just come and take <laughs> <laughs> a lot. Yeah, now do they eat them? Because I've seen cockies come down and they just, they're almost just cruel. They just tear the plants apart and don't even it, eat them for all anything. They do. Yeah. Yep, all I, wonder, they do. I wonder what it is with a cocky. Someone might know that, why they come down and, and just attack plants for no good reason. Oh, mate, I don't know. Anyway, thanks very much for your information and uh, I'll get back to you next week with another question. Okay, thanks, that, Noel. Yeah. Good day, boys. Cheers. See ya. Cheers. Thanks, Doc. Imagine if the cocky and the snapdragon somehow created some hybrid beast. That'd be unstoppable. It would be, wouldn't it? Flocks of them. <laughs> Biting. <laughs> Breathing fire. It wouldn't be good. Terrible. It would be. Uh, I'm sorry. I just can't get the image out of me now. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be all different colours. You wouldn't have the white cockatoo either. It'd be a good clash, though. It would be. <laughs> We've got Lynn now from East Gresford, and her wisteria isn't flowering. Oh, Lynn, that doesn't sound good. Tell us what's been happening. That's it. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> oh, I, I love it that you're straight to the point. That's great. <laughs> we planted it um, uh, beginning of 1915. Uh, 2015. Yes. Or, or yeah, it was 2015 we planted it. It's um, green, green leaves. Great. Uh, uh, and then a couple of times... Like last year, there was one blossom, nothing going on at the moment. Okay, well, you might, you might have, I think the boat might have sailed on, on you, unfortunately, for this year, uh, but we're going to try and make it better for you for next year. Now, are you pruning it at any particular time? At times, yes, 
Plus okay. it's on the uh, front balcony. Yeah. Now, the, the main thing is to leave the, the poor little thing alone, uh, I guess, you know, in, in winter, just prior to this time of year when it's going to start flowering. So you wouldn't prune it then because what you're going to do is you're going to prune off all that new flowering material that it's going to, to use. Uh, if you are going to prune it, you would probably prune it, oh, I'm just trying to put my calendar back on here, maybe back in May. Uh, May, June, you know, once it's lost its leaves for the first time. Uh, yeah, we we'll you know, do that when it gets in the way. <laughs> <laughs> because they are pretty rampant. Now, the second question I've got for you is, what are you feeding the poor thing? Um, not much. Oh, well, I, we water it often. Um, it, it has potash. Yes. And I'm not... And uh, I'm not sure what else Hubby puts on, okay. but I know we put pot- potash on it. Oh, I, I, I reckon I'd interrogate him later on tonight, strap him into the chair, and uh, you know, shine that the torch in his be eye. That would be very easy for poor Rob. <laughs> <laughs> now, look, what would be ha- could be happening though is if you're feeding it with a, a high nitrogen fertilizer, you know, chook manure. Uh, no, we're not. Oh, you're not. Okay, okay. You're taking away all my options here. You're even using sulphate of potash on it. How often are you using that? Mm. Mainly in the winter. Okay, okay. Look, what I'd be doing is probably stepping up your your potash use and start using it all year round. Um, You know, probably once a month will do the trick for you. And just start to build that up in the soil around the root system of the plant. Uh, if, look, I, I would definitely say don't feed it with poultry manure at the moment. Steer clear of anything like that because uh, well, the other thing is you don't want to be putting grass clippings around there. I know earlier on we were talking to the lady about her fetinia and mulching with grass clippings, but it's not something you want to do on a regular basis. It's only a one-off, so certainly don't do that, Lynn. Um, and I, I'd probably give it some cow manure as a fertiliser and just keep on using that potash, uh, steer clear of uh, pruning it uh, later on in the winter season, uh, and we'll see how you go next year. That's what we think every year. We'll see how it goes next year. Okay. Now, okay. We, we want an update phone call next year as well. We'll put this one in the calendar. It'll remind us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can get the cow cow poo very easy. Very good. Uh, in the paddock next to us mm-hmm. or, or uh, closer. The uh, uh, chook poo. No problem. Yeah, but steer, remember, to... don't, don't use the chook poo. We don't want you using oh, chook poo right, at the moment. Oh, right, yep. And uh, the potash, well, we've got plenty of that. Okay. So, yes, okay. Okay. And remember, shine the torch in your husband's eye tonight and find out, you know, what he's actually been fertilising <laughs> it with. I'll have to really get the, um, the uh, toothpicks and go, go oh, oh, yeah, okay. Because, <laughs> because he, he'll be bothered when he comes home from physio. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you later. Right, good on you, Lynn. Thanks for the call. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks, Lynn. We've got Cheryl now from Blackhalls Park, and she's also got a question about wisteria. Hello, Cheryl. How can we help you? We might be able to give you the same advice uh, on your husband as well. Oh <laughs> no! Well, don't well, have a husband. Got rid of him. Uh, <laughs> oh, your interrogation went a bit too far. What now? What's been happening with your wisteria? It's a neighbour's. Um, it's going on the major, a really big gum tree in her yard, but it keeps shooting tendrils across 
to mine, I would cut back what I can, but the high ones I can't reach. I've already had one limb break off because it was strangled by it. Yeah. Um, she's not open to the discussion. <laughs> Um, uh, well, look uh, with the old, uh, you know, the the trees and neighbouring fences stuff. You can you can cut those back. Now your problem is that it's getting up a little bit too high for you. Way too high. Yeah. Look, not much you can do about that. You are allowed to cut it back. You can get someone in to um, do some pruning up high if you need them to. Oh right. Yeah, but un- unfortunately, <laughs> if you can't reach, there's not much you can do. Um, and another issue out the front is a um, river oak. Casarina, mm-hmm. and the roots are lifting my driveway and killing my front lawn. Yes, all the aerial roots. I was told by the council to do the trench, um, five hundred mil deep. Yes, um, I did that, but it's twelve months later. The shoots are coming up again. Um, my property's not their problem, but it's their tree. Yes, it's a healthy tree. <laughs> That's correct. Uh, look, you can, you can continue, you can redig that trench. Did you put some sort of root barrier in there to, to try and protect it? Well, I said I wasn't allowed to poison it, which I was tempted to do. No, no, I understand um, that. But you can get root barriers uh, that you can right. in, insert down into the ground, which will actually stop the roots coming back through. So how deep would I need to make that? Oh, look, those root barriers, I'm doing the old finger hand thing here again. I'm thinking, what's that, about 600 mil, two foot? You know, yeah. two foot deep. Uh, have you, how did you actually dig that trench? Did you get a little machine in to uh, do that for no, you? No, I did it but with a matic. <laughs> uh, okay, look, it sounds like you might have to go a little bit more hardcore with that. Uh, right. You might have to, you know, hire a person in with, uh, you know, one of those little sort of digger machines that uh, can come in and maybe dig a little trench along there for you and then insert the root barrier and um, you know, get them to sort of put the dirt back in after that. What about the top of my driveway, which is actually their land? Sorry, can you say that again for us, please? The fence line at the front, which is on their land, not mine, um, it's lifting my driveway. Uh, yes, yeah, so is the driveway... Your driveway's on your land, though? Only from my gate, um, yeah, down oh. the house. Yeah, look, I, I'm not sure about that. Um, sounds like you almost might need a lawyer as well to help you out with that <laughs> rather than someone about your trees. Uh, yeah, look, that that could have all sorts of implications there. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd find out about that and before you start digging on someone else's land and, uh, you know, doing something to their, their tree, you know, via that route. So, yeah, I'd be very careful about that. But certainly anything yeah. that's on your land, uh, you can dig a trench and uh, put a root barrier in there and uh, try and keep it under control. Shall do. Thanks for your advice. That's all right, Cheryl. Have a lovely afternoon. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Time for a couple more callers, and we've got Bob from Toronto, and he's got a question about Bindi. Hello, Bob. Bindi. How can we help you? Oh, hi there. Bob speaking. Uh, yeah, a question about uh, Bindi. I've just sprayed my lawn with Bindi, uh, Amgro brand it was, uh, for the special stuff that doesn't affect buffalo. Yes, excellent choice. Uh, Yeah, good. Now, my question is, the first cut I do, the first time I mow, should I catch that? I usually mulch my lawn, because I've got a fairly big lawn. I usually mulch it, and I'm just wondering whether I'm going to be uh, creating more problems if, uh, if I mulch those seeds in. 
Yeah, look, possibly, Bob. That, that's that's the answer to that one. Uh, can I ask you a question back? Did you leave your lawn nice and long when you did the spray? Yes. Excellent. Okay, so you haven't fallen for that trap. Mark from... Uh, from Mark's point sound like he, he was on top of that as well. So, yeah, that's always an important thing. Make sure your lawn is long when you do these Bindi sprays. Now, yeah. for you, I would be cautious because, you know, if, if there has been some seed growing on, on the Bindi's, you, you don't want that spreading back through the lawn. So I would definitely definitely use the catcher in your case. So don't mulch it back through the lawn. And uh, that, that just will, you know, stop any spread uh, going back through the lawn and, you know, taking off again for you. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. And how long should I leave it after spraying, would you think, before I attempt to mow it? Yeah, look, you, you'll see it, um, you know, after about, uh, you know, five to seven days starting to curl up and die back. And then you might just wait another week after that and, and then give it the uh, give it the old mow. Yeah, so uh, an, an extra week after the seven days. Yeah, I, I reckon about a fortnight will do the trick for you. Yeah, right, yeah. I've noticed a lot of it is dying off now and browning off yes. after about four days. Okay, that's pretty good, yeah. But there is sections that haven't browned off. Is that a normal situation? Uh, look, is it getting a different amount of sun in that section? Yeah. Yeah, that, that's going to be why. Uh, so I'd definitely wait uh, your full you know, two weeks to make sure that everything's dying back for you. All right then, Scott. Thank you very much for your advice. Okay, and thank you for the question, Bob. Appreciate it. Okay, bye. Okay, cheers. Well, we've got Pauline now from the Garden Suburb, and she's got a question about fertiliser. Hello, Pauline. How can we help you? Look, many, 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 many years ago, I bought Miracle Grow as my fertiliser. It was advertised by Boys Bay Garden Centre up in Queensland. Mm -hmm. And I've used it on everything all these years. And now I can't buy it anymore. <laughs> and oh, I no. wondered, yeah, is it likely to come back, if you know, or what should I use instead? Well, uh, look, I, it was a liquid fertiliser from memory, Miracle Grow. So I. No, no, no it was a granulator. It was blue, bright blue. And it, I used to buy it in like a bucket, and there'd be five plastic sachets in the bucket, and you just put. And, you know, a little spoon which came with it into your watering can, filled it up with water, and away. Yep, yep, yeah. So they, okay, so yes, it, it was a, a, a liquid fertilizer. So you actually turned it into into liquid, even though it was a granular oh, fertilizer. Sorry. That's all yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, oh, I just want yeah. to make sure we're talking about the same thing there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I, I would uh, probably jump on the internet there and do a a quick uh, done that done that done that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the the other thing Sorry. is that it's probably going to be very like other uh, liquid fertilisers like Flourish or Thrive, uh, or oh, okay. yeah, or even Aquasol. Uh, have you still got an old packet of it around? I do. Excellent. Okay, yep. so if you have a look in that old packet, when you turn it over the back, you'll see all of these weird percentages on there, and that's telling you what percentage. Uh, of different uh, elements are actually um, contained in that fertilizer. So what I'd do is I'd you know take a photo of it or uh, you know copy mm, it down, photocopy yes, it, yes. take it along to your garden centre, show the people there that uh, they should then be able to go to the shelves and have a look at their fertilizers and get something very very similar for you that will ah, do the same job. Smart move. Yep, I'll do that. <laughs> it's the first one I've made this week. <laughs> 
All right, Ben. Thank you so much. That's Bye. all right. I think you'll find something similar out there if uh, if it's still not available. Great. Okay. Well, I, I can get it in England, but it's going to cost me $30 to send it to Australia. Ooh, and I don't know whether I really want to do that. Ouch. Yeah. I, I, know, I know the pain. I've been doing up an old car and I've been getting some stuff over as well. Not very much fun. <laughs> so good luck with that. <laughs> okay, Ben. Cheerio. Thanks, Pauline. Bye-bye. Thanks, Pauline. We've got time for maybe one more call. We've got Ray from Salamander Bay, and he's got a question about the bromelards. Hey, Ray, how can we help you? Uh, good, thanks, Scott. Uh, yes, mate, I've got a couple of bromeliads in pots about the same height, about three foot or 90 centimetres tall, but a flowering stem has shot up from the centre of one at an amazing rate uh, to about six foot high in total. Yes. I was just wondering if you could cut it back at its base... Uh, and repot the uh, stem stem of it or not? Or? No, with bromeliads like uh, argaves, uh, once yeah. they flower, that's usually you know the end of it for them, and then you rely on okay. the little the little uh, you know pups coming from around the outside of the bromeliad. Now, yeah, fine. S- sometimes if you get in early enough, I've heard tales that you can actually stop it from flowering just by cutting the flower out. Uh, but it yeah. sounds like yours has already you know gone up to the sky like the beanstalk. <laughs> Yeah. Sure has, yeah. So, look, I wouldn't be surprised, Ray, if unfortunately that plant uh, gives up the ghost, um, but hopefully you'll get some pups coming from around there and maybe you can even collect some seed as well if you want to. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, but look, sorry, cutting that uh, that flowering stem and, and plopping it in the ground, that's not going to work, unfortunately. It's, okay. the, it's those, little, right. those little pups that come around the outside of the bromeliad. Uh, pineapples yeah. work in the same way as well, and then you can... Uh, if you you can tease those little pups away and replant Fine. them, and off yeah. you go again. Yeah. Okay. Thanks very much, Scott. Okay. Thank thanks. You. Thanks for the call, Ray. Okay. Sorry about the bad Bye. news, but semi good news. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. We might have time for one more caller. Okay. Well, let's quickly squeeze Larry in from Lambton. Okay. He's got a question about grapes. Grapes, Larry. How can we help you with grapes? Yeah, Scott. Nearly every year, like I don't get a grape, and now the, the young bunches are forming at the moment. Yes. Yeah, they're quite full. Yeah, they look good. But uh, I can't work out why I lose them all the time. Okay. Growing grapes here uh, on the coast, Larry, is always problematic. Some people can get them to work. Uh, It's mostly because we have the humidity once we get into the, you know, those warmer months. That's right. And that's when you find uh, you start getting the fungal disease actually growing on the grapes. Uh, I would suggest uh, now getting some fungicide like copper oxychloride or Mancozeb Plus and begin spraying that. Uh, I'll probably use copper spray. It forms a protective coating over the leaves of the plant. Also spray the, uh, you know, the bunches of grapes as well yeah. and just try and keep that uh, fungal problem under control. Okay. Thank yeah. you for that, Larry. Yeah, that's it. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Larry. Just managed to squeeze him in. Sorry about rushing you there, Larry, but yeah. We managed to get it done. We did. Scott Sharp, thank you very much, and speak to you next week. Thank you. See you then. Also with the fertiliser, before we do go. Yes. Very good detective work there. If you wanted a gardener, you could be a great detective, I think. Thank you. Call me Sherlock next week. (laughs) Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.